Alright, Creatures of the Night, welcome to episode 67 of Talking Taker, our encyclopedic exploration digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all. Tis on. My name is Alex Dorio. I want to thank you for joining us for yet another round of Dead Man Talking. And I am joined, as always, by my tag team partner, my wrestling buddy, my co-host, my fellow creature, the true survivor himself, the man building up his own personal Survivor Series team, Travis White. How are you hanging in there, man? Are you surviving right now? I do. I'm the sole survivor. I got five in my family now, so... You know, I'm the only one awake. My little one's on my shoulder here. Hopefully she won't make cat noises like she did last week during the podcast, but we'll see. <laughs> oh, there she is right there. So, um, apologize, ladies and gentlemen, but it is what it is. It's got to be done. Someone she, has to rock the baby. She made her podcasting debut last week. Maybe the she youngest did. podcasting rookie of all time. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, she was two weeks old when <laughs> she did that. So, uh, Yeah, man, Absolutely. So, well, baby we're, face. <laughs> we're glad to have her along for the ride. We're glad to have all of you out there along for the ride, listeners, as we journey on this ride over to Survivor Series 2000, a very, very important milestone in the career of The Undertaker as we are talking about his WWF Championship match against Kurt Angle 10 years after The Undertaker's WWF debut, but really, I mean, let's be honest here, Travis, what we're really doing here is an episode of Talking Trousers, because we're about to spend a lot of time talking about The Undertaker's pants here in a little while. Uh, dude, you said trousers, that's what my two-year-old calls pants. Really? He, he, he doesn't call them pants, he calls them trousers, yeah. He's a very wise young man. <laughs> British British shows on YouTube, man. So yeah, he calls them trousers, so yeah, man, Talking Trousers this week, dude, I did not realize the... um. The fan, uh, the, the fandom these pants had until you put something on Twitter, you know, a couple days ago. And so, um, yeah, man, a lot of talking points for this episode. So, do you believe it's been a decade, dude? 67 episodes, we covered a decade of his career. It's pretty incredible, man. And I think, you know, that it, it, I think people underrate what an achievement this was at the time because sure. he obviously debuted at Survivor Series 1990, pretty iconic debut in that <clears throat> Survivor Series elimination match. And uh, you could say he's joined the 10 Club here, uh, here at mm, Survivor I Series would, 2000. Yeah. I thought you would. Uh, but this was actually pretty rare back in the day. I mean, if you look at the WWE nowadays, it may not seem like that special of an accomplishment to spend 10 years in the company because... Like, look at the main roster right now. Look at the, some of the people on there, like Alicia Fox or the the Colognes. Uh, Heath Slater has almost been there for 10 years. <laughs> Zack Ryder has basically been there for 10 years. People do it all the time nowadays. But in the 80s and 90s, I know you remember this, man, it was pretty rare for someone, especially like a, a big star like that, to last that long here in one company. Uh, if you look back at some of the biggest stars like Macho Man, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, all of their impact was just over like four, five, six years, not a decade. So yep. this was pretty, pretty rare and pretty cool to see The Undertaker last 10 years. Oh, absolutely. It definitely was, which is, again, you know, going back to episode one of this of Talking Taker, that's kind of what we said. You know, he's just had such a a sudden impact when he came in. He's been there this whole time. I mean, we're going on. 
he's won his what third decade at this point, you know? Or, yeah, it's just crazy, you know, to see. And like you said, you know, you think about Austin. He was only there for what ninety six to to two thousand three. I mean, he's only right. there for seven years, and The Rock was there even well about the same as a full time performer, you know. So just crazy, man, to think about that kind of stuff and. Like you said, yeah, Rock's still there, and or not Rock, uh, Taker's still there, man, and nobody's doing a talking Foxy, that uh, <laughs> podcaster, talking the colognes, uh, you know, keeping up with the colognes. Like nobody cares. Their impacts, no offense, you know, but they're they don't mean anything when it comes to the grand scheme of things in WWE history. So, <laughs> were they at Survivor Series this year? They were on the pre-show. Where yes, did that were. come from? Uh, <laughs> You, I don't know. <laughs> when was the last time they were on TV? Uh, a few months ago, I think. And before that, it was a couple months again before. So Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, they may have had a decade in the company uh, at this point. But just like you just said, the impact, not even in the same realm here. Not even a blip. Yeah. Not, not even close, man. So, again, I, I just want to try to reemphasize that for some of our listeners out there who may not just really understand that that was more than a tagline for this show and this match right. decade of destruction it was a pretty crazy moment and uh one of our listeners out there uh posted on twitter i can't remember who it was but they said that this was you know back in the day it felt like oh yeah he's probably uh closing on the end of his career well, was, probably at this point it was turco man yeah, yeah. randy yeah, he said that, which honestly, I remember kind of thinking that a little bit back in the day, too. Sure. Just being like, man, decade, like, yeah, it's a long time. Probably like, going to yeah, wrap it up soon. Probably going to wrap it up pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, little did Not we quite. know. Little did we know. Oh, man. Crazy. Well, well, let's get into it, man. Let's talk about this build-up to a match with another superstar who had a meteoric rise. But again, his run... Not as long as you remember it. Only in the WWE there for about seven years. Uh, less than seven years for that initial run uh, there in the company. Spent more time in TNA than he did in WWE, which is pretty that wild. That makes me want to slap my grandma, dude. <laughs> Think about that. The Kurt Angle spent more time in TNA than he has in WWE. Collectively. That is crazy. Um, yeah, but we'll, we'll get to him and his meteoric rise again. Starting out at Survivor Series, you know, and... We'll kind of talk about that as we get to the show itself. But, um, yeah, let's kick this build off. There's not a lot happening um, in between. You know, we just left off Unforgiven last week. And um, Undertaker is kind of MIA for the, the rest of the month. Um, but I do want to hit on this Raw that happens immediately after um, uh, Unforgiven. Because I, I mentioned last week I got something. I got a soapbox I got to get on. I got to rant about. And then we'll move on a little bit. Oh. There she blows. Um, anyway, uh, Raw uh, 383. This is uh, September 25th, 2000. I remember this episode like it is yesterday. Apparently, the WWF does not remember this episode, though, because, all right, we got this. They're, they're, they're coming to TNN. We got, they've been home on USA for how long? Ever? I mean, yeah. Forever. I mean, Raw's been there for seven years. They've been there much longer than that. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, and they they put they put on a good show here. They got, you know, Austin's coming back to Raw. We got Y2J and X-Pac in a first blood match. Benoit Rock for the title. And then Hardys and Edge and Christian in a WWF tag team title ladder match, which the night before, they just had that cage match that was we talked about was kind of, um, you know, no one talks about it either. Um, but anyway, that's my rant, okay? So if you go back, people, and you watch this tag team ladder match, all right, about 42 minutes 16 seconds into this episode on the network, um, 
something happens. There's a big spot in this match. Right. And everyone knows the spot from WrestleMania 17, WrestleMania X7, whatever you want to call it, where Edge spears Jeff Hardy as he's hanging from the, the belts. You know, the, I think it's Bubba or Devon moves the ladder, and Jeff is swinging there all by his lonesome. And uh, Edge jumps off that giant, what, a 600-foot ladder, as J.R. Price says, or whatever. Um Jumps off and spears him in midair, and they come plummeting down to the to the canvas. And that's WrestleMania 17. It's on all the highlight reels for all these teams, for all the WrestleManias ever since then. It's on everything. But that match or that spot happened during this episode of Raw mm. and TNN. Same exact thing. And I remember yeah. it, seeing it at WrestleMania 17, being like, "Oh, that was cool." They did that six months ago on TNN. <laughs> but it's like nobody remembers that. Yeah. No one, even the guys involved. Because I've heard every podcast with Jeff Hardy on it or, or Edge on it and even the, on their own podcast, and they'll sit there and literally talk about that spot from WrestleMania. And I think it was on Table for Four or Table for Three, but they had all four of them on it um, on the network. And they were talking about, yeah, we didn't uh, – we like we kind of had to practice that, you know, the night before Maniacs. We'd never done it before. Yeah, you did. You did six months ago on TNN. And why does no one remember that? It's just I just I don't know, man. It grinds my gears. It drop maybe because I do remember it. And it stands out, but like I don't know, man. It's like uh, I don't know if it, if WWF doesn't want to make don't doesn't want you to remember that it happened. It didn't happen. Like you know, Andre actually got slammed in Japan by Stan. Hanson multiple times oh, sure. before Hulk yeah. Hogan body slammed him, you know, but yeah. like, um, but this is actually in the WWF, you know, it's in their own canon, it's in their own history, so I just don't get why that gets, um, I don't know, it gets overlooked, I don't know, but, um, yeah, for some reason, anyway. <laughs> I, I mean, I remember that, but I guess if you had to ask me, I would have said that they happened in reverse, like the, I know the Raw and TNN happened first, but like, uh, I would say, yeah, that that happened after the WrestleMania X7 thing, and, and they repeated that spot because <clears> they burned it into my brain that that was that, that right. was the original <laughs> thing. So uh, yeah, it's interesting to to look at it and, and realize, nope, that wasn't quite the case. Yeah, I don't know, man. For some reason, it just bothers me. But like I said, we're not talking to, we're not talking to Edge and Christian, but that just that thing just really set. It just I don't know. It really bothers me yeah. for some reason. I, I don't know why. History. Yeah, I just don't like that. But anyway, um, Taker is does have a little cameo on this episode of Raw. Um, Austin walks into his room and his locker room and it's like, and he as soon as he walks in, Taker goes, "Don't give me that look." <laughs> it's just great. He looks like, "Don't give me that look." He said, "You know, I was taking time off, so I ain't the guy you're looking for. And if if they'd run you over, they're gonna run me over too." He said, "It's a shame, isn't it? Someday, me and you, we're gonna have to go." And then Austin's like. Is that a shame? And Taker stands up and they go face to face and he says, you know what? Maybe it's not. And then that's the last we see Taker for a while. <laughs> it is. So Austin's there interrogating him to try and find out who ran him over at Survivor Series the previous year. And thankfully, dude, I think I said it last week. Thankfully, we are not covering any more of that here on the show because all of that junk with rikishi and the rock and triple h it's just uh, just a huge giant mess and i'm glad we don't have to cover all those endless yeah. promos here yeah it's all bad in fact i think i saw on twitter a few just last week that awesome i asked austin what his least favorite storyline was ever and he said this he said the who who hit me storyline was his least favorite thing i don't blame him so yeah it's my least favorite thing too. yeah it's it sucks 
So, but like you just said, Undertaker is mysteriously missing for the month of October. You know, we kind of do our research here on the show every week. We we try to go back through the WWE Network and, and, and recap uh, all the build to these matches that we're covering. And so beforehand, I'll, I'll go read reviews to see what I need to watch on these shows. And yeah, Undertaker is not on Raw anymore. Uh, he's yeah. not on the No Mercy pay-per-view, oddly enough. And there was not much information that either one of us could find online mm-hmm. to figure out what exactly they was. They never explain it on TV. Uh, in kayfabe or in reality or anything like that so thankfully right. one of our twitter followers at masked wrestlers uh his name is richard land uh put the question up on twitter and he responded quickly with some information from the wrestling observer from their archives from the october issues of 2000 on the wrestling observer so you know you can take that with a grain of salt if you will uh however you might feel about dave Meltzer and his info but this is pretty much the only information i've seen about anything from that time uh but he said originally said that undertaker was going to be kept out of the ring due to a groin injury uh in one issue and then the next week followed it up Meltzer said that Undertaker was going to have to remove his gallbladder uh, after having gallstones, and that was going to keep him off the October pay-per-view, but the plans were to get him back in time for the November pay-per-view, to at least do an angle or storyline, possibly a match in there. So that honestly adds up. The timeline makes sense. Uh, I couldn't figure out any reason what was going on with any of that, so that makes as much sense of anything Obviously, like I say, you can take it with a grain of salt, but that's perhaps why The Undertaker was gone during this time. Don't take it with too much salt, because I'll give you gallstones. True. So. <laughs> <laughs> Did it say he's going to remove his own gallbladder? Is he, uh, that, is he that much of an American BA? He's going to remove Maybe Paul Bearer was going to do it. <laughs> Man, we hadn't seen him. It's been too long. Can you imagine him coming out with on like a sidecar? <laughs> yes, I can. That's all I want to imagine. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, thankfully, uh, he got stitched up, healed up, uh, got that problem resolved, and uh, we got him back soon enough. But, uh, you know, during that time, uh, another one sad note, uh, or or a couple notes, like I said, we don't don't see the No Mercy pay-per-view, but Kurt Angle is going to win the WWF Championship there, which, of course, important going into Survivor Series. I was so mad. Oh yeah, As I've mentioned, Me too. I was so angry that Kurt Angle was a champion already. I was like, this dude hasn't. He, oh man, he was such a perfect heel. I I bought everything line and sinker like a good little Mark should, and I hated him. The character, you know, is I was so upset that he won that from The Rock, and so you know, kudos to him being a year in and and having me, you know, suckered in. <laughs> Angle was one of those guys for me. I think I've seen this a lot. He's a guy that I did not think deserved the title when he held right. it but by the time he lost it a few months later he was established in my eyes and i yep. could see him as a champion yep. you know a lot of guys like they get the title it feels like oh it's long overdue they deserve to be champion for a long time maybe like a like a dean ambrose or something like that it was like dude i can right. see him as a champion from day one kurt angle not like that at all but by the time it was done yeah Definitely, he was a number, he was a top guy in my eyes. Yeah. I think like kind of like what you're just saying. Yeah, and like you say, sometimes the title makes the, the 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 guy, and sometimes the guy makes the title. And this time, the title made him. You know, so yeah. 
I think for sure. So Brock Lesnar was kind of like that for me too when he first won the title because it was so fast. I was like, dude, he does not, <laughs> he's not ready for that, man. But from same guy, The Rock. So. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> he uh, definitely put guys over. Yeah. Um, and but sad news during this time uh, in reality is that yeah. uh, in October, just a. The 23rd, October 23rd. On the 23rd of 2000, uh, a guy we've talked about on here quite a bit in those early episodes, Yokozuna, passed away back in the year yeah. 2000, which was obviously a shame. Uh, you know, the wrestling business, yeah, everyone's responsible for their own actions, but of course, you know, he probably would not have battled the weight problems. He battled quite so much without the wrestling business kind of pushing him towards being bigger and bigger and bigger, whatever. So that was... You know, always been one of the saddest wrestling deaths, in my opinion, because oh, yeah. the business really contributed to that at such a young age. But, dude, he was... Yokozuna was one of my absolute favorite heels of all time. His, For it, sure. He was the top heel when I first started getting into wrestling. And so, uh, in my opinion, he's a huge reason why I'm still a wrestling fan to this day. And I uh, was happy to see him go in the Hall of Fame a few years ago. But definitely sad to see him gone at such a young age. Yeah, it definitely was. Which apparently, remember when they went to Saudi Arabia at the beginning of this year, and they allegedly the guy wanted him to be there, so they put that like wanted other, him to make that comeback. The other yeah. sumo guy. So anyway, but yeah, man, uh, for sure, they they even said it on that Raw Raw three eighty seven. They said you know it opens up with his you know little in in memoriam to him and his Vincent Man over like a uh, overdub thing. He's like you know Rodney Anoa'i passed away today, and so it was just. It's really sad, you know, and again, he's in the BSK with Taker here, so um, I want to bring that up a little bit later on, uh, and actually something happens on an episode of Raw I'm covering here, so it's okay. pretty pretty neat. Yeah, So okay. Well, uh, take us to his comeback here on a big historic comeback from Gallbladder <laughs> Surgery on, on Raw. So what better way to come back from Gallbladder Surgery than another guy? You know, we've talked about how the landscape of WWF is changing. We got lots of new talent, and not even necessarily new to wrestling, but new to the WWF. Like you know, we mentioned Jericho and the Radicals and all this stuff. Well, here we've got a real man's man. Uh, although he's in a better, much better uh, gimmick here. We got William yeah. Regal. He's the European champion at this point. This is on Raw 388 of October 30th. Uh, he's a goodwill ambassador for WWF, and he comes up down to the ring and it's just funny because as he comes to the ring the steps are gone already they're already up against the guardrail so if you have a watchful eye you know what's happening so anyway i won't waste too much time here but he's 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 in boston they're in boston he's talking about the boston tea party and he has 127 provisions for bostonians to improve their lives basically so he's gonna he he like unfurls this uh like scroll and he's gonna like read them and he gets to about three of them and then the uh overdubbed you know you've done it now you've gone and made and that music starts hit hit so i guess it was the real music back then and he comes out uh taker comes out on his on his bike and um again he's been gone for a month you know at this point and it is an absolutely enormous pop here in boston for him because you know they didn't expect it you know we didn't know he was right. coming back yeah. they didn't make a big deal out of it so comes back and he's got a black bsk beanie on his head it's really cool you know, obviously, and um, it's a black one. It's got purple letters. It says BSK. Um, pretty neat. So he basically just gets in the ring, kicks Regal in the stomach, gives him a last ride, which almost goes awry because as he lifts him, um, I'm not sure if he just didn't get a good handle on him, but Regal, like, falls back down almost. Taker doesn't drop him, and he just kind of pushes through, picks him all the way back up, 
and then gives him the last ride, which was if he just had gallbladder surgery, it <laughs> probably wasn't good for the stitches. Probably not. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it almost went bad. But um, and then he just picks Taker picks up a mic and goes, you know, I think you talk funny, and then he just leaves. That's, that's it. it. So, what else do you need to con- say? That's out of control, man. So, oh, it's so good. So, yeah, that's how he, he comes back uh, again in 2000. It's the second time this year he's come back from hiatus. So. And it doesn't yeah. go anywhere. Nope. Does- nope, not nope, nope, nope. <laughs> So that's the best part. It's just there. Yeah. One awful segment. It just happens. Oh, man. Yep. I love William Regal so much. Uh, <laughs> Me too. I'd love to see a William Regal Undertaker match. Man, they oh. would uh, <laughs> could. They could have some fun together, but uh, definitely, man. I'm, I'm sorry that you had to cover that, and you did not get to cover SmackDown uh, the next oh, uh, yeah? a few nights or the, a few nights later on November second, two thousand. Because Undertaker's going to get another, just kind of a random uh, opportunity to interact with one of the more uh, more annoying heels uh, of the time here. Mm-hmm. As old Stephen Richards is going to come out to cut a promo, the leader of your favorite. Number one faction, the right Golly. to sit. <laughs> Number one faction, my butt. <laughs> All time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Four Horsemen, NWO, DX, of course. DX. Above right, all right that. Right above them, RTC. <laughs> oh, they have been again, running lose... rampant over these shows during this time, though. No doubt Fantastic. about it. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, this promo was uh, Richards gets on the mic. He says that Hollywood has been hiding behind the First Amendment laws for too long, and he wants to come together, unite all the politicians of the world with the RTC to come together to say no more. And just think of all the changes the right to censor have already made in the World Wrestling Federation due to the strength of our conviction. Just imagine how many changes will be made when those convictions are conveyed through our politicians. So, we ask for your support. We ask for your trust. And we ask for your vote. The vote for censorship. And it is for your own good. I'd like to ask him to shut up. And really, this promo is all about... Another thing that's been going on in these shows is they have been... The WWF has been doing this voting campaign, SmackDown the Vote. They've been really pushing hard, trying to get... Again, this is the year 2000. They've been trying to get Al Gore and George W. Bush to appear on an episode of SmackDown. They have been airing commercials. They've had Jesse Ventura challenging them to do it. All these people doing it. Like, And, of course... It's not ever going to happen. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> you, know, uh, uh, you know, a few years later, they would end up having political candidates, Obama and Clinton and McCain, do like some recorded messages on Raw, uh, if you remember that. But you know, yes. at this time, it was not going to happen. So at this point, now the WWF is going to do whatever they do when they get butthurt about stuff. They're going <laughs> to they're gonna bury everybody. Exactly. They're going to bury all these politicians and say they're evil and hypocritical and all that sort of stuff. So that's really at the basis of all this promo. So thank God Undertaker interrupts Mr. Richards here. Uh, he is wearing a Crime Inc. t-shirt tucked into his whitewashed jeans. So mm. I guess that was the precursor to Dead Man Inc. 
Uh, and Stephen Richards. Inc. Yeah, I don't know what hmm. that is. What what the significance of that is? <laughs> no idea. Probably a motorcycle gang or something like that. <laughs> uh, Probably. <laughs> Richards takes this opportunity to ask the Undertaker if he would like to join the right to censor. Uh, Holy Taker... cow. <laughs> now that would legitimately make them the number one faction of all time. How unbelievable just... would that have been, man? Oh, completely. Yeah. Um, that's worse than Daniel Bryan joined the, the Wyatt family. I mean, <laughs> my God. Uh, well, Taker shakes his hand at first, but then, of course, he grabs <clears throat> Stephen Richards by the throat says did you say join you i can't even stand to look at you and as a matter of fact i think you the right to censor and all those politicians that back you suck so again <laughs> gotta get on uh, this burial of all the politicians that ignored the wwf right. so undertaker gives steven a last ride as michael cole's going on and on about this is true freedom of expression right here uh and it's just making my eyes roll the entire time i'm watching yeah that. uh undertaker hops on the bike Drives up the ramp as the rest of the right to censor run down, and as they run towards him, they end up jumping off the side of the stage as he's about to run them over, which is a neat little visual. And yeah, that's it for that. <laughs> that's a, so a thing that happened. His comeback week, he interacts with William Regal and Stephen Richards. So Clearly, that's crazy. They have no plans. <laughs> Well, yeah. Well, I'm glad you explained what you just explained because on Raw 389, on uh, four days later, you know, on November 6, they just I think it's one of the I think it might be the first match of the night after the opening promo. It's uh, commentary tells us that the right to censor requested a match with Taker, and I was lost. I was like, what? Because <laughs> they didn't show a recap or anything. I was just like, what are you talking about? What? But so anyway, the, it's it's Val Venus, you know, the the heavy hitter from the RTC. I guess probably the best wrestler in the RTC. Hey, honestly, hey, hey. don't you disparage Bobby Cannon like that? <laughs> oh man, 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 I'll take a Mark Taker, man. <laughs> anyway, we got Val Venus. Uh, and uh, if apparently if any RTC member interferes, they're going to lose their shot at the tag team titles. So that's the stakes on this match. So um, it's a, honestly it's pretty back and forth at first. It's kind of weird, but then at the end, Taker kind of takes over and beats Venus pretty soundly with the last ride. And then he um, he he's been wearing his denim cutoff shirt during this match. And then at the end here, he kind of rips it open and he's got a Yoko. Uh, shirt on so wow. one of those like early 90s ones where it's just like yeah. a giant face and then like their name on top you know um so really cool throwback there and i just thought that was really neat you know last week you had the bsk beanie this week he's got the yoko shirt and he just kind of like you know pats himself on the chest like that and raises his arm like you know this is really 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 neat there cool uh, cool touch for the smart marks that understood what he was talking about you know and um the, the their actual friendships so i really like that so that's pretty cool. awesome. It shows just again the evolution. You, know, you you'd never see the dead man Undertaker <laughs> right. do something like that. But it's exactly cool that that gets to happen during this run where he's being a little more realistic and open, and he can he, yeah. he can do something like that. It's a really nice touch. Well, thank God here that plans changed uh, going into SmackDown November 9th, two thousand. Because I guess. Maybe we were headed to some sort of Undertaker versus Right to Censor type matchup at Survivor Series. I have no idea. I have no idea. That's what it seems. Uh, but basically what seems to happen is that it was looking like it was going to be Rikishi and Stone Cold Steve Austin possibly here at the Survivor Series. But 
it was clear that feud wasn't working out. So Triple H got transitioned into that feud. They sort of retconned things after a few weeks and said, oh, wait a minute, no, 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 Triple H is the guy that was behind Rikishi being the guy who ran over Stone Cold Steve Austin. (laughs) So that, hey, maybe we can get some heat into this. Maybe we can have an actual good match. I don't know. Uh, And so that being said, it was going to be Triple H versus Kurt Angle, it looks like, at Survivor Series 2000. All that gets shuffled around, and a week and a half before the pay-per-view, we're going to get a new number one contenders match for the Survivor Series with Chris Jericho against Chris Benoit against Kane against The Undertaker on SmackDown. Uh, This is going on in the midst of Kane and Jericho's feud for spilt coffee, if uh, you guys Mm. remember that out there. I'll never forget that. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, yeah, we don't need to talk anymore about that. this match was kind of weird, man. It has those uh, rules where two guys are in the ring in a fatal four-way and you have to tag other people in to get in the ring, which I always hate that, uh, especially because it's it's not elimination. It's first pin or submission. So it's like, right. why would you ever tag out? Exactly. Uh, but it actually it doesn't really matter. It only goes about five minutes, and Undertaker chokeslams Kane and then gives the last ride to Jericho to win really cleanly and really emphatically to become the number one contender for Kurt Angle pretty much out of nowhere. (laughs) And uh, to show you how important this match feels, uh, immediately after he gets his hand raised, we just cut to the back to see Lillian Garcia interviewing The Rock, who's just arriving to the arena. (laughs) So that's really where the focus is, people. Yeah, exactly. So... Yeah, Kurt Angle's a champion, but he's kind of a... He's not an afterthought, but he's kind of an afterthought, you know, as well, far as his, the that. focus. We've seen yeah. that before on this show, how really the main guy is the most over guy, and that's not right. necessarily always the champion. Uh, and we've seen it with Stone Cold, we've seen it with The Rock. Those guys are the main event, not necessarily right. who has the WWF title. And then stick Triple H in there at this point, too. Yep. Even if he's over or not, they're still going to put him like as if he's over. <laughs> so. Exactly. <laughs> so. so they're going to try to go and fast forward here, try to make something out of this feud. Uh, Kurt Angle's going to come out later on in the show, cutting a promo. Well, they're in Dallas, so he's cutting down the Cowboys, saying they're not America's team. He's America's team. He's an American hero. Undertaker or Leather Taker, I would say here, based on his look, uh, interrupts. Uh, Kurt's furious about this, and Taker says he's just got one question here to ask. Do you know where you're standing? Kurt Angle says, uh, yeah, of course, I'm in the middle of the ring. And uh, Taker says, oh, no, 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 you're wrong there. You're in my yard, and I'm the big dog that runs that yard. So uh, as you mentioned last week, he started using that as one of his catchphrases, and the crowd is catching on here. They start barking like a Rick Steiner or something Ooh, like that after that. Nice. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I don't remember that at all, but it was nice. No. But then Taker coins another new catchphrase here as he says, Come Survivor Series, you will become the first casualty of Dead Man Incorporated. So, of course... <laughs> out of nowhere man starting a new LLC right there there you go Um, (laughs) man Eagle LLC he's Uh, all about getting that merch money absolutely he's got to get some new shirts (laughs) 
so that's pretty historic promo right there. And then later on in the show, this is kind of random. The uh, new lieutenant commissioner, Deborah, who is uh, under Whoa. Mick Foley. <laughs> that totally slipped my mind. Yeah, yeah, short lived. Wow. But, Ew, I forgot about yeah, that. I didn't mind it. <laughs> nope. <laughs> now I remember. Yeah. Uh, she stops Kurt Angle in the hallway and lets him know that her and Mick Foley were watching earlier. They agree that Kurt Angle is greatly underappreciated, so they want to give him a chance to shine on Sunday Night Heat and let him defend his WWF title against a mystery opponent. Uh, Kurt's, of course, not happy about this and uh, doesn't really lead to anything, but that opponent ends up being Crash Holly uh, against Kurt Angle on an episode of Sunday Night Heat. So doesn't have too much to do with our buildup, but there you go. Well, not so fast, my friend. It oh, does oh, okay. play in okay. a little bit on the on Raw. Um, yeah, I was weirded out, too, that he fought Crash Holly. I, I wasn't sure where that came from, so I'm glad that they mentioned that on SmackDown because um, on that next week's Raw, on Raw 390 on November 13th, so this is, what, six days before the pay-per-view? Yeah. You know, um, which I thought this most recent Survivor Series in real time, 2018, was a little thrown together. Their main events were. That everything changed the last week beforehand, but, man, looking back 18 years here, it's like... Yeah. <laughs> They had they didn't have injuries, right? They just decided to change, you know, the the way the ship was sailing, and here you go. So, it wasn't uncommon back then, apparently. So, I don't know, kind of weird to think about. But um, when they're winning the ratings war like they were, it didn't matter what they did. But exactly. Yeah. Raw opens up this night with Kurt Angle coming out, and he's like, you know, I'm going to be Taker this Sunday at Survivor Series, and um, uh, he says he's going to prove who he says he is by beating Taker this Sunday. I'll prove that Taker is what he says he is, both bad and uh, you know, you know what. And uh, he then says he's going to take on the take on a man who said that he could beat him with one arm tied behind his back. So I guess on Heat last night, Crash had you know, like you said, they had, they wrestled, but then Crash said he could beat him with one arm tied behind his back. So Angle's like, you know, Undertaker, I invite you to watch this match to see what I do to him. Cause that's what I'm going to do to you on Sunday. So Crash and Molly come out, and he's got his arm tied behind his back, like he said. And this goes back and forth, honestly. Crash gets a lot of offense, <laughs> strangely. But then he escapes uh, out of his little tie and um, gets a lot of near falls. It reminded me a lot of, um, uh, remember that uh, Triple H and, uh, oh golly, what was it? Who's the Ta- kind of Taka, guy? Taka, yeah. Taka, remember that match? Yeah, yeah. or uh, From, Seth Rollins and Neville a few years ago, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remind me of that. Just kind of neat. The crowd was really into it, and they knew it wasn't going to go anywhere. But like it right. was kind of neat to see, get the crowd into it. So Angle ultimately wins with the ankle lock, and oh. I was blown away, dude. I did not remember that until two thousand one. Yeah, I didn't think like, he had that yet. Yeah, he. I remember slightly before WrestleMania seventeen when he feuds with Benoit, he started using that. So I did not have any idea he pulled that out here. So nice. Um, and who's he feuding with? The Undertaker. So we'll say the Undertaker <laughs> he forced was him responsible to add that to his arsenal for him using the ankle lock, which has come on to become one of his most iconic maneuvers. See, Undertaker Incorporated, Dead Man Inc. is already starting the side business here. Add it to the moves. list, man. <laughs> so um, after that, uh, Angle beats Crash with a chair, and then who returns but Hardcore Holly? And those of you. Who remember Kurt Angle about five months earlier had broken Harker Holly's arm on mm-hmm. a, a botched moonsault, and I remember that match on SmackDown. Um, so he comes out with absolutely no, you know, fanfare. He just kind of runs out, and the crowd goes nuts. And 
uh, Edge and Christian come out to help their buddies uh, here. And then Taker comes out as well. And he looks, dude, he looks as sleaziest I've seen him look since he came back, man. He's got black leather bandana, a black tank top, tucked in his black jeans. His Now his goatee looks like Big Papa Pump, man. He's got it dyed. Like it's, Yikes. It's, you know, brown and... Uh, and like blonde in the middle it was just he looks like a creeper dude <laughs> like i don't know but um he takes out edge and christian and goes to take out angle but then angle kind of powders out of the ring and backs up the ramp so that all happened so crash i guess did kind of have a little bit of a, of a play here into okay. the storyline because later on uh, edge christian and kurt are complaining to foley and foley books a six man he says it's gonna be the hollies and undertaker versus team eck so, um, well, he doesn't say Team Mac, but that's what we always used to call him. So, um, and I just want thought it was a missed opportunity for the WWF that they didn't put a Z on the end of the Hollies like they did for the Dudleys and Hardys and Taz had an extra Z. So, that's why they're on the Hollies. You know, they're not considered the the same caliber. I guess that, they don't yeah. have a Z on there. <laughs> you had to have an extra Z to really be legitimized. I guess so. But dude, that's a heck of a team up right there. The Hollies and the Undertaker. <laughs> yeah, I know. Talk about some stiff shots in the ring, oh, probably. Man. So, so yeah, we get we get that six man. Um, and uh, so uh, team team Angle comes or team Act comes out, and uh, Jr. is like, get a good look at that title because they won't be around Kurt's waist ne- waist next week. And then um, Hollies come out, Taker comes out. And uh, there's a, there's already a sign in the audience that says I work for Dead Man Inc. So I thought that was pretty cool. So yeah, it's only no been, way. yeah, it's only been less than a week. So um, anyway, um, this six man match goes on. I mean, it, it happens, and uh, um, Taker's tagged in, and Angle runs like a scalded dog. Jr. says, and he tags in Christian. So Taker just kind of takes it to Christian, his whipping boy, as we've mentioned here on the podcast. <laughs> Edge and Christian are always his whipping boys. So um. Uh, eventually, uh, Taker goes goes nuts when Angle finally gets tagged in, and Holly takes the Hollies take out Edge and Christian. Angle hits a suplex, goes for Olympic Slam, is reversed into a choke slam, and then Taker picks him up and hits a huge last ride and pins Kurt Angle clean in the ring. Six days for the show, uh, so you pretty much know he's not going to win <laughs> six days. So, um, but the crowd does go nuts for that. They really love that he just pinned Angle clean in the middle of the ring. So, um, yeah. I don't know, man. I don't always agree with a clean loss right before a pay-per-view like that. But, you know, Angle is a heel, so I guess it's okay. But right. it doesn't, definitely makes the champion look a little weak, whiskey going into the show. I but, guess you got to do something uh, in the short term to try to get yeah. some sort of heat or excitement on a match like this. Yeah. Yeah. So, but um, as Taker leaves the ring, he looks straight into the camera and goes, that's my yard. So I thought that was pretty cool. So, and, um... Dude, this episode of Raw had two six-man tags and the main event's an eight-man tag. That's that's a lot of stuff. And again, I thought like nowadays that's typical, you know, like to have something like that on three-hour Raw. But they were doing it 18 years ago, man. And it's really dumb when you got Survivor Series coming up in right. six days, and that's supposed exactly. to be one of the selling points is you're going to exactly. see all these big tag matches. Uh, exactly. Yeah, whatever. So. Anyway, <laughs> uh, well, the go home comes on SmackDown 11 16 2000 uh, on the WWE Network. Uh, it's going to give us a match between Undertaker and Jericho versus Angle and Kane, or as I like to call them, Kangle. 
um, they're going to be. <laughs> You've always enjoyed collecting. I've always have, man. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things. Uh, those two feuds combined right there. Angle gives Kane a pep talk in the back, telling telling Kane that you know, despite what everyone else in the world thinks, he believes that Kane really is better than the Undertaker. Uh, he just he says all this disparaging <laughs> stuff, actually trying to make Kane mad and get him fired up here. Uh, it's a no right. DQ match, and it sees Kane choke slam Y2J through the announce table. Uh, meanwhile, Taker kind of picks apart Kurt in the ring. Kane saves Angle from the last ride and slams him down. Uh, Undertaker goes to hit a choke slam on Kane, but Angle saves with the chair. Uh, Undertaker boots the chair back into Angle, but then Kane slams a chair on Undertaker, and Angle gets the pin, pick up the win for Kangle right there. So actually, Kurt Angle <laughs> is going to walk into well, Survivor Series with a little momentum heading into the show. So uh, I guess we're <coughs> keeping it even, 50-50 here. So maybe it's not as clear exactly who's going to mm-hmm. walk out with the title. There you go. I guess the thing about nowadays because their shows, their brands are split. So I guess back then it wasn't. So yeah. I guess I always think now, you know, if somebody wins on Raw, they're going to lose on the pay per view. But back then they still had an extra show in between. So yeah, it makes sense. So there you go. 50 50 booking. Nobody gets over right there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. It is cool to see him get his win back because now you really don't know because they both yeah. traded wins here. So it's kind of cool. So I take, I take back what I said earlier. That's going to take us to Survivor Series, November 19th, 2000, from the Ice Palace in Tampa, Florida, home of the Lightning. I always hated it's called the Ice Palace. I know it's supposed to be like an ironic thing, but I don't know. I've always hated it for some reason. By hate, I don't mean I don't hate it. I just, it's always bothered me. Okay. So, I don't know. What's ironic about I get, it? I'm getting a little grumpy in my old age here with three kids. <laughs> It's ice. It's in Tampa. You know that's the whole uh, thing. Yeah, okay. you know okay. that's that's it. Yeah, I don't know. Dude, two rants on the same show, man. <laughs> that was a mini rant. <laughs> that was a rant. A rant novella. Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you remember this show? Dude, I remember renting this video and watching the main event because <laughs> this is the main event where Triple H pulls a giant from Halloween Havoc 95 mm-hmm. and he dies mm-hmm. only to come back the next day. So he's not quite as good as the giant because the giant came back the same night. But Triple H died this night, ladies and gentlemen. He got lifted up in a 30, 30 feet in the air and a forklift and dropped on his head in a limousine or a town car, whatever it was, and uh, freaking comes back next time on Raw. So it's so stupid. dumb. Yeah. So stupid. This like, is why Austin hates his crap. <laughs> do you think <sighs> like the car was not supposed to flip exactly that way? Like I don't I can't I don't know what they were possibly going for. Like maybe it was supposed to land on its side, <sighs> but it flipped too much and landed flat to where that would literally kill someone. <laughs> like I, I, don't I can't know. figure it out, man. It was bad. I remember on something to wrestle, Pritchard didn't even have an excuse for it. Like he was just like, <laughs> "Yes, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they called an audible again and just had him come back next time. I mean, he could have been off for a week at least. Forever. Like, I don't know. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Austin got ran over by a car and he was out for a year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Triple H got dropped 30 feet and smashed head first into the cement 
And he's back next he's night. Cool. Yeah. No bruises. No cuts. Nothing. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, well, uh, thankfully we're not talking yeah. about that. We're talking about Undertaker versus Kurt Angle for the WWF title. Uh, Jr. Yeah, I mean, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say I don't remember when I rented this video if I even watched this match because I remember mm. how much I disliked Angle, mm. you know, and and knowing that he's gonna beat Taker here because you know we rented obviously it's happened so. Um, I just I don't remember if I've ever seen this match before. I, I couldn't recall it as I was watching it back. Um, so this is really neat to go back and watch this. I'm uh, this is, yeah. I'm excited to talk about this match. So and something else. <laughs> well, I remember the finish. I don't remember. I don't think I've ever seen the match, but I, I knew the finish pretty well. It was pretty pretty famous at the time. Uh, Jr. and King are on commentary here. Jr. notes uh, multiple times throughout the show, even at the beginning of the show as they're running down the card and. Later on in the night, he also notes it that the WWF title has changed hands the last six years at Survivor Series. So kind of that's crazy, man. Teasing that again, trying to get people excited for this championship match with a week and a half of build here. Um, yeah, well, let's go back. So ninety nine, it would have been um, Big Show. Big Show won, right? Ninety eight would have been The Rock and Deadly Games. Yep. Ninety seven would have been Sean. Yep, screw that's a job. Screw job. Ninety six was. Uh, Sid winning it from Sean. Yeah, that's right. That's right. What was 95? 95 was Diesel losing, or Brett, yeah, uh, Diesel losing it to Bret Hart. And 94, 94 would have been. was Bob Backlund winning Bob it Backlund. from Bret Hart. <laughs> yeah. So, man, Bret yeah. Hart had bad luck at Survivor he, Series. Turns he out. did. He did. Turns so. out. Uh, yeah. Well, his fellow Canadians, Edge and Christian, are in the back uh, before the match. They're, they're trying to come up with excuses uh, like they tend to do uh, so that they don't have to help Kurt Angle in his match later since they're afraid of The Undertaker. Uh, but Kurt walks in and you know they tell him they're, that they're feeling sick again and he just kind of rolls his eyes and is like, guys, don't even worry about it. I own The Undertaker. So he just wants to ask them where they want to celebrate later and ask them if uh, Molson's if they like Molson's and if there's a non-alcoholic version of that famous Canadian beer. So nice little skit. Mm, they're so good together, man. Undertaker's backstage, too. He's talking to investigative journalist Michael Cole, and Taker says he's going to celebrate the Decade of Destruction, and that Dead Man Inc. will open its doors to Kurt Angle, and this golden boy is going to take his last ride. And then Taker does this weird little moonwalk. He points his fingers up in the air when he says last ride, points his fingers up to the heavens, and then just kind of scoots out backwards from the back of the promo. And... Dude, he's he was feeling good tonight, man. Yep. He had those pants on, and he was feeling good about life. So you know why he's feeling good? Because he's in the best pants in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Forget shaming, man. Best in the oh world are these God. pants. Forget CM Punk. Best in the world are these pants right here. <laughs> these pants. <laughs> Can't even begin to talk about them. They're out of control, man. So, oh. Yeah, Angle comes out first for this match, doesn't he? He does. Yeah, yeah the champion out first. And it's cool because um, uh, Jr. says, you know, he Angle debuted here a year ago, and he's had an unparalleled rise, you know, up the ranks of the WWE. Which again, I just wrote my notes like, other than Taker, right from from Survivor Series to Survivor Series, who else has done this? You know, because Taker's first one he debuted, the second one he won the the WWE title at, you know. So. Yeah. Um, just I would how say, cool! Like how cool is it that they do they parallel each other? Yeah. So. 
Yeah, even though JR says that it's an unparalleled rise. Oh, yeah. But then he goes on sure. to explain how Taker did the exact same thing. So it's like, <laughs> well, that makes him paralleled. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. <laughs> oh, anyway, this match is third from the top. So, again, Kurt Angle yeah. not getting the respect. He he would eventually go on to obviously earn. But, um, yeah, third from the top. And it's, uh, because in between this is the tag title match, I think, um, I believe. After this, is I think it's the Hardys and somebody or something. I don't know. But then you got the main event, which again is are the most over people on the roster, which is Austin and Triple H, and right. the, they might as well had a monster truck sumo match. <laughs> it's so stupid. It's just as good, man. I'd, I'd rather watch the monster truck sumo match from Halloween. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. Oh. Angle's gonna cut a promo before the match. He's talking about his starting his second year in the WWF, and then. He says, I would like to ask each and every one of you in the audience tonight to take a moment of silence and let's all reflect together on your favorite Kurt Angle moment from this year, which is a great line. Yeah. Uh, um. He starts to go through all his different accomplishments before he's interrupted by the Undertaker riding in. And man, I just want to say, the, you know, the great thing about Angle, we've been praising him here, is that he would do all this comedy, be so silly, but as soon as the bell rung, man, it was all business. He was completely serious. Yeah. He was such a threat, such a great performer, such a believable performer in the ring that it all worked. You know, you had to take him seriously and he could do this comedy because he was so dangerous in the ring. He wasn't just being funny, being silly for silly's sake. That's why he was right. able to be a main eventer. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. He's just... He's out of control good. Again, it, it, it's said by everybody <clears throat> in the business that, you know, no one's picked it up faster than him. And, I mean, no one pulls off, like you said, comedy to, to serious as, as well as him, you know. I mean, Eddie Guerrero can do that, but even some of his in-ring stuff was still comedy, you know, with the lot of still stuff. But, you know, Eddie, Eddie can do the same type of stuff, but, yeah, no one else can go straight from that comedy to, to just beating your butt. I mean, can you imagine Bret Hart having any of these skits? No, you know, and no, doing he that stuff. Pull it off. Exactly, and he I love do Brad it. Hart. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But he couldn't do that. <laughs> he couldn't do it, you know. And so it's just, um, I, I bring up Brett because this match will, will we're going to talk about will remind us. It echoes back to Brett Hart and Taker matches, but um, yeah, really. Anyway, does. yeah, it's just yeah, you made a good point there. He's just really cool. You, you can't take Angle as a joke. You got to take him seriously, even though he's hilarious, you know. But um. He's just so good, man. And one other thing he says is funny. Before he gets interrupted, he's like he's ripping on Florida and their inability to vote because the <laughs> presidential election. They're doing all the recounts at this point in Florida, oh, which I think God. is funny because here we are in 2018, and are they still counting stuff for the the midterm elections down there? Because uh, a little I know bit, yeah. they had some issues as well. So it's just funny. 18 years later, nothing's changed Nothing in Florida. Has changed. That's just sad, man. <laughs> so That's just weird. sad. It's so weird. Well, as hilarious as that is, and, you know, there's nothing funnier than what happens next. As The Undertaker rolls into the arena in the loudest pair of snakeskin pants you have ever seen in your entire life. As we kick off this segment of Talking Trousers here on the show, dude. Let's get into it, man. Uh you know, dude, much has been made of these pants over the years. These pants that the Undertaker has worn. If you've never seen them, if you've never seen this match, we've got it on all the social media. We've got all those pictures, and 
Yeah, you can go on the WWE Network and watch these match or watch watch these pants. Watch this match for these pants. Uh, and have you heard this rumor before? The rumor is that Taker's pants were lost or ripped or torn or something happened to them here. So he ended up borrowing a pair of pants. Hold on. Yeah, hold on. So he ended up borrowing a pair of pants from the Godfather. Had you heard that before? I have heard that before, yeah. But there's a hole we could poke in that, right? Yeah. So so they do look almost exactly like the pants that the Godfather wore at Royal Rumble 2002. He comes out in like a suit. He's got a jacket that matches his pants. So there's a lot of evidence strong evidence pointing towards that theory uh, but here's the hole dude there's two holes I'd like to say number one what was the godfather doing at this time oh he was in the greatest action of all time mm-hmm. he was the good father mm-hmm. he was not the a good, good brother father. but he was the good father so all he needed was black slacks you know or white slacks whatever exactly the godfather yep. was not wearing the pimp stuff during nope. that time and even so at that time when he was the pimp he just wore he just wore black slacks. He didn't wear like crazy leather pants during that time. So they would have to be like his street clothes or something like that. They well could have been. Yeah, yeah, they could have been. They could have been. So let's say maybe they were. But here's what you just said, dude. What has Taker been wearing this entire run? <laughs> Walmart's finest. Dude. Yeah, we said it on Unforgiven. He looked like he yeah. just strolled into Walmart and picked something off the rack or Tractor Supply or something, dude. Why? Oh. He wasn't wearing the you know the the leather Dead Man Ink pants that we'd see him wear for a lot of this right. time. He wasn't doing any of that yet. He was just wearing street clothes. So why in the world, if something happened to his pants, why would he not just head to Walmart? And buy a pair of jeans. Or borrow a pair of jeans from Kane. Yeah. Big show. Somebody, man. So these are the pants he had to wear this night. It doesn't make any sense. There's got to be something there, man. There's got to be a story there. And he's not a guy that plays ribs either. So, like, you know, uh, allegedly he doesn't like rib people. So there's no way he was just like, I'm going to do this to pop the boys. Like, he doesn't do that. He takes wrestling very seriously, uh, you know, according to what we've all heard. Well, here's my theory, dude. He saw these pants, and he, in his mind, thought this was going to be his sweet new look for the rest of time, man. (laughs) Somebody sold him on these pants. He got really into them. But by the time he showed up and got out there, he just got roasted by everybody. And... He, maybe he like gave them to Godfather after this match, and then Ooh. Godfather decided to wear them for his days. Like Taker's like, I can't wear these anymore, man. Nobody like my pants. And <laughs> I think Undertaker pulled a Chris Gaines. He got too confident <laughs> in his abilities God. here, tried to branch out into something really different, and got roasted for it, and put it away in the closet, and never mentioned it again. Much like Garth Brooks and Chris Gaines. Oh, does Chris Gaines have a stand at Las Vegas like Garth Brooks did? If he would, I'd have front row tickets. Oh, man, I got that album you got me, Chris Gaines. The best of Chris Gaines. Chris Gaines looks fat. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, if you don't know who Chris Gaines is, ladies and gentlemen, go look him up or consider yourself lucky. So, um, yeah, dude. It was right around this time, too. It was. It sure was. Yeah, maybe he did. Maybe he legitimately thought. Maybe Sarah, his wife, 
Mm. Thought that uh, mm. these pants looked hot. Maybe they yes. were her pants. <laughs> we <laughs> mentioned we mentioned the ladies' pants that he talked about a few episodes ago. Remember in the front row? Yeah, time with some ladies' pants. Right. Maybe these were her. So maybe he got these pants from that lady. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care where he got them. I'm, I thank God that he got these pants because oh, we just so awesome. <laughs> It's, it's so uh, awesome. We could spend all night talking about them, and listeners, we're we're eager to hear your theories about all these too. But uh, well, some yeah, somebody on one of our Twitter followers put on, you know, said uh, you know, top hat, leather top hat, leather jacket, snakeskin pants. Maybe he was secretly Trish Stratus. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, he got this wardrobe from her. So at pants. T- at TPK James uh, said, uh, "I wonder if these pants were made from the snakes that he and Big Show encountered while they were going <laughs> yes. through the desert. So maybe it was a callback to that. Uh, a little continuity back to that. The uh, twenty by twenty apparel on Twitter asked if he borrowed him from Steven Tyler, which mm. I could see that also. Mm. Uh, Aerosmith was kind of doing a comeback around that time. They were jaded." Uh, the Downturn podcast asked uh, if <laughs> clearly he went through Ernest the Cat Miller's gym bag for those, which exactly uh, I, I'm all for that. I'm all for more Ernest the Cat Miller love. So yeah, well, and then uh, somebody called Taker's mama and tell him to take his pants off. <laughs> <laughs> At Wrestle with Andy on Twitter showed a picture of the pretty much those exact pants uh, on for sale somewhere called Top Shop. So. Maybe they're coming back in style, oh. dude. Who knows? Maybe he was ahead of the curve. Maybe, Maybe he was so. 18 years ahead. So. Flip on the telly, man. Wrestle with Andy. So <laughs> that's good stuff right there. Wrestle with Jimmy. I know. I know. I think that's where he got it from. Oh, no. You mentioned uh, Twitter. Yeah. I, yeah, the Twitter follower. Yeah, I already forgot that's what he was. Wrestle okay. with Andy. Yeah. I get it. So. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Good job. Good job, baby. <laughs> Uh, anyway, yeah, man. He, well, he Chris gains these pants, and uh, we're going to fold them up, put them in the laundry basket, and uh, probably bury them alive, I guess, because we're never going to see them on this on this dead body again. So, um, anyway, yeah. Yeah. Take us to the match, Travis. Oh, I don't know how to recover from yeah, what I don't we either. talked about. Um, I'll try to. So, yeah, we um, – Angle – basically, if Taker gets in the ring, Angle leaves the ring. Just perfect heel stuff right there, man. Uh, Taker grabs the title from Earl Hebner and poses with it, which kind of riles the crowd up and they get excited, you know, seeing him with the title again. So that's pretty cool um, to see that. And Angle's kind of stalling outside and King's putting it over like, oh, excuse me. King's putting it over as good psychology and JR's like, well, he's being a coward. And it's hilarious right here. I don't know if you caught this part, but he says he's being a coward. And as he says the word coward, Taker walks over and grabs a chair from under Howard Finkel. And when he does it, King goes, no, that's Howard, not a coward. <laughs> I just like – just the way he thought of that so fast on his feet was so beautiful, man. Always, like, man. He's like, no, that's a Howard, not a coward. I was like, oh, dude, King killed it right there. <laughs> on top of his game every time. <laughs> oh. Well, yeah, they do a little bit of the stalling here at the beginning as Taker tosses the chair into the ring, uh, see, he, and he tells Angle to use it. He, he yeah. He's like, oh, man, let's make it an even fight, dude. You can't stand in the ring against me. So a little psychological move from Undertaker there. Uh, Angle obliges and hits Undertaker with the chair to the back before the bell even rings here. Uh, so he gets a little free shot in there to even the eyes, and the bell does ring, and Angle takes over quick in the corner. And then we kind of see Undertaker do uh, what we've seen many, many times here at the beginning of matches. Yeah. This little signature reversal in the corner. 
uh, hits Angle with a big boot and leg drop. So a little nod to one of his sur- former Survivor Series opponents, Hulk yeah. Hogan. Um, and then he does as he did it fully loaded with Kurt Angle. A little callback to their first match with each other. He's, he goes for a quick pin, and then Undertaker picks up Angle after a two count. Uh, when it looks like he could have had yeah. it for three. Hits an elbow and then does it again, and Earl Hebner is just screaming at Undertaker, telling him he's a fool, that he can win the title right here. But he wants yeah, to inflict Hebner's a little like, more just, pain. Just pin him, boy. And he's like, no, I'm going to give him some more punishment. So at this point... I spent all this um, money on these pants, dude. I can't wrestle for just a minute. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I can't take my eyes off those pants during this match, dude. They're, they're like a tractor beam on them or so something. Man, I can't, so they're so good. Well, those pants go up high right now because uh, Taker goes old school, and he yells like like we mentioned last week. You know, he he coined his own old school phrase. We had no idea like that he did that, so he yells old school. And again, commentary is continuously putting over this ten year deal for Taker, man. Like, yeah, yeah. keep talking about how he's been here ten years, decade destruction, yada yada. But again, like you said, man, nobody else has really done that. You know, so it really was a big deal. You know, like <laughs> can you imagine like on. Raw next month, they're like, Zack Ryder's 14 years of destruction. <laughs> like, it's, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway. Our truths um, decade in the WWE. Holy cow. Oh, my God. But oddly enough, on the decade of destruction, Undertaker cannot accomplish the perfect 10 landing yeah. on the outside. Kurt Angle takes over, hits a big German suplex, but then and yeah. lines take her out, and Undertaker stumbles, man. Doesn't do the perfect 10 for the decade of destruction. I was very disappointed in that. I was too, man. I really thought he'd land that one, but he didn't. So that German suplex was cool to see because you, oh, yeah. you don't see that often. In fact, I think JR says that. I've never seen anyone suplex take her like that, so yeah, yeah. which is pretty cool. So, and then Angle comes off the apron and he gets his he gets caught and gets his spine ran into the ring post uh, multiple times, and and then Taker starts clubbing him in the back, and Jr. is trying to put a little psychology. In here. He's like, oh, he's working over his lower back to soften him up for the last ride, which I don't know about you, but I don't need softening up. I tell you, last ride, I'm out, dude. That <laughs> yeah, move is sure. brutal. And <laughs> 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 uh, this. Uh, uh, pretty soon after that, we are going to see those guys who said they didn't want to interfere in this match, Edge and Christian, right. are going to run out to the ring and distract the referee as The Undertaker, uh, he reverses an Irish whip from Angle into an armbar takedown. Yeah. Nice little submission move there from Undertaker. We haven't seen – well, we've seen a little submission wrestling. I don't think we've yeah. seen that quite exactly. Well, yeah, it's not like a it's not like a cross arm breaker arm bar. It's like a one of the what they call like a Fujiwara arm bar, like to the side, you know, where he's on him. Almost like um I don't know, like like Becky Lynch does a disarmor now. It's kinda of like that, but he's still kinda of laying down, so pretty cool. But you know, he's got um he's got angle in that move and as Hebner's distracted by E and C, uh Angle taps out. He does, yeah. Yeah. So Pretty uh, cool to see. Since the ref is distracted, Taker is going to roll outside and decide to go after his whipping boy, Christian. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just Christian. <laughs> <laughs> He's got more, so, got more respect for Edge. you got to take out Christian. I, I, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, Angle tries to help his buddy Christian, but... Um, uh, Taker goes for a choke slam, but Angle takes out the legs. So he's going to continue to try to, I guess... Uh, weaken him, uh, chop him down, maybe go for the ankle lock later on. Yeah, and this is the part where he gets him in like the leg lock, like a leg lace or whatever, like Jarrah says, and 
this you see Taker fighting out with elbows and punches, like we talked about selling on the run kind of, but he's not running, but he's just kind of selling. There's constant movement. He's not just laying there, you know. Um, and it's just at this point, man, my mind just got taken back to those Brett versus Taker matches, yeah. Sean versus Taker, even the really early Austin and Taker matches, like before Austin got dropped on his head, you know, um, when he was a little more of a mechanic in the ring. Um, this this match really took me back to those because this everything Angle does from here the rest of the match it just mirrors those Bret Hart matches. It's just it's incredible, man. So and in fact, I think Jr. even says he must have studied tapes of other wrestlers who have, who have mm. taken on the Undertaker. So pretty cool that he picked up on that too. I think it's cool you got those same vibes because I, I got the same thing as I was Did watching you, yeah. this man. It felt very much like that. Kurt Angle, you know, in ring wise, very much reminded me. Uh, Bret Hart at his best as well. Uh, we mentioned, yeah. you know, not quite on the same level character-wise, but in ring for sure. It was, it was cool to see those comparisons yeah. in there. Uh, and what a shame that we never got to see that. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Can you imagine? It would have been incredible. That may have been the greatest match of all time, possibly. Yeah, really Seriously. <laughs> Especially like an all-American angle against super yeah, Canadian, Canadian Bret Hart. Oh man. Oh god, I didn't think about that. It would have been awesome. Bret itself. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, well, as Angle gets that leg lock on Taker, he's getting huge Angle sucks chants from the crowd. You can tell he's really getting over as a heel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Taker's using those uh, MMA skills that he likes. He's kind of fighting while he's on his back, uh, while he's uh, mounted by Angle here. Uh, Taker gets back up. He's, he's going to do that cool little backflip out of the ring, and he just <laughs> decided to go beat up on Edge and Christian for a little bit, get his uh, <laughs> strength meter filled up a little bit more. Uh, while uh, Angle's in the ring. Um, and then uh, he Taker goes in and chokeslams Angle, but Earl Hebner is still distracted with Edge and Christian, so Undertaker's only able to get a two count off of that. Uh, they trade a bunch of near falls here. Uh, Taker gets a couple two counts, uh, and then Angle starts kind of working over the leg again. Yeah, it's just working that leg and slamming it on the apron of the ring, and then he locks on that figure four in the middle of the ring, mm. which um, yeah. I think we saw Bret Hart do as well in one of those matches, if I'm not mistaken. And then, um, you know, Taker goes and re- reverses the pressure on the Kurt Angle, which is the stupidest thing. <laughs> so, that's just so dumb. That's how it works, I remember, dude. I remember you and I, like, legitimately trying that, and, like, this doesn't work. <laughs> but um, Angle gets the ropes after screaming in agony because, you know, Taker has reversed the pressure. But um, And then, at this point, Taker hits a tilt-the-world power slam for a two-count. It's cool to see, but... You made a good point in your notes here. <laughs> I, he's done this a bunch. He's added this to his moveset now that he's in the Spiker Taker character. But as he's doing it, he gets the guy into Tombstone position, but ends up just kind of power slamming right. them. And it's just yeah. like, you've got him right there, bro. Just <laughs> pivot a little bit, hit the Tombstone, and knock him out. That's your signature. Exactly. I, I never understood that move from him. I, me neither. I don't understand, but I guess he's just trying to get away from the tombstone, you yeah. know, as you know, to distance himself from that. So, although I'll bring it up in just a minute too. But anyway, um, we see at this point Angle trips Taker and then drags him to the ring post, and then this is where the Bret Hart similarities just go out to like just absolutely line up completely yep. because he does that figure four around the ring post, which is just iconic. Oh yeah, Bret Hart and DDP. DDP used to do it as well. So um, it just man. 
like I said, what a tragedy. We never got to see them wrestle. So, um, and uh, yeah, Velveteen cool. Dream just did it on uh, he NXT did. TakeOver he, he a few did. nights ago. He did. He, he's it. done it a time or two. So, yeah, good stuff. Um, but, of course, you can only have a, a four count. you got to break that you know, because it's a legal move. And then we get back in the ring, and Taker hits a stun gun on the turnbuckle. Get a two, kind of like a snake eyes stun gun thing. So that was new to me, and I don't remember seeing that. A little something know. different there. Yeah. Uh, Angle goes for a power slam, and Undertaker reverses that into a tombstone attempt. And that was kind of interesting, too, because we have not seen him bust out the tombstone too much right. during this time. Yeah, I mean, is he is that the first like that we've seen since May, or did he... I want to say he did it in those first few weeks where he came back. Uh, See, all I remember is choke slams yeah. everywhere. Cause I don't he, know, man. But he, but he wasn't doing the last ride at first either. Right. So. I think it was just choke slams. It was his finisher back then. Yeah. He if he did it, he only did it once or twice during that yeah. time. I can't I can't remember exactly. But yeah, not too much. But the it. crowd the crowd noticed and they popped man when they saw this tease right there like him almost doing it so. Uh, but doesn't work because as he's holding Angle up, they kind of both fall over the top rope. Um, and this leads us here to the, the ending of our match here. So they're both on the outside, and Kurt Angle disappears. Yeah, he crawls under the ring. Uh, Taker walks to the outside, pulls him out, and sends him back into the ring. Uh, and Taker does that signature throat slash, uh, puts Angle between his legs, hits the last ride, and goes for the cover here. Earl Hebner goes down, hits the mat once, hits the mat twice, and then stops at just two and uh, two and nine tenths right there. Uh, stops counting. Uh, so it's looking like another s- sort of screw job here, playing again into the old Survivor Series screw yeah. job. As uh, uh, Undertaker stands up, he starts threatening Earl Hebner in the corner. As the announcers are speculating, "Oh my God, did Earl Hebner sell out? What's going on?" And then all of a sudden, we see. Another Kurt Angle? Yeah, another Kurt Angle comes up, sneaks up Undertaker, rolls him up, and holds the tights that the ref can't see and gets a three count at 16 minutes and 15 seconds. So Kurt Angle has successfully defended his title here against Undertaker. So Angle immediately rolls out of the way, and Undertaker just looks completely confused. Just like, what just happened? Um, So, yeah. The announcers are confused, too, as Kurt Angle and his doppelganger are... Well, Kurt's doppelganger is just selling in the ring, and Kurt is walking away with the title. And as we will find out the next night on Raw, that it was Eric Angle, Kurt Angle's brother, who worked alongside him to fool The Undertaker in a very, very memorable, very, very creative finish here uh, to end what I thought was definitely The Undertaker's best match in the year 2000 so far. Best match we've seen him in since he came back, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, I'd say so too, man. It really reminded me of 97 stuff, you know, just the stuff with <clears throat> Brett and stuff with Sean. You know, a lot more actual in-ring wrestling stuff. And it's really, really cool. So, yeah, I remember this Eric Angle um, uh, body double thing was cool. And they used it again during 2000 and... Mm-hmm. Was yep. that three uh, with Brock Lesnar? Yeah, that one was really, really cool as well. But um, yeah, we see. I mean, Angle just plays the perfect heel, you know, rolling out of the ring, celebrating up the aisleway, just um, really cool. And that's not that's not 
it though because he runs into the back and uh, we see him jump into a sparkly green Lincoln town car and uh, he just <laughs> he gets out of Dodge man just like a perfect coward uh, should you know so just so good man absolutely and it's a nice little tease for Monday Night Raw too to try to figure out what the heck just happened here yeah um, I will say I don't I think it's kind of maybe questionable that I feel like that could easily be a disqualification for Kurt Angle uh, there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, although I guess Eric did not technically he didn't interfere. Undertaker pulled him out and brought him That's into true. the ring. Uh, but really the finish would still be the same. Kurt would still walk away with the title. So, you know, whatever. I right. guess it doesn't really matter. I'm just nitpicking here. Uh, uh, but what I'm wondering is how did the Angles know that that exact scenario would happen? Mm. <laughs> how would they exactly be able to pull that off? Yeah, that's, that's one of those things you got to just suspend your disbelief for. You but yeah, I'm trying to, right. But yeah, you're right. Stuff like that kind of boggles my mind when you try to sit there and think about it for real. It's like, yeah. how do they know at this point in the match I'm going to, you know, come onto the ring or maybe if things get too hairy, I'm going to come onto there and you're going to do that and he's going to be, you know, his back's going to be to me. I'm going to be able to roll him up immediately. Like, you just, I don't know. It just is what it is. You but can't think about it too much. No, 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 no. But but anyway, it was good stuff, man. I, I definitely think both of you and I would both recommend this match. And uh, definitely, yeah. I think, his best one since coming back um, back in at Judgment Day. So, definitely. for sure. He's getting Fun back, stuff. Getting back to the swing of things, getting back into full form <clears throat> here, knocking off all the ring rust. Um, and that's how The Undertaker celebrated his first decade of destruction. And yeah. Here we are, man, 2018. What do you think, Travis? Do you think we'll see The Undertaker celebrate an official third decade of destruction? Maybe in the year 2020 of Survivor Series? You think that's possible? Yeah, I do at this point. The way he <laughs> sporadically just wrestled. I mean, like I said, man, I really thought he was done with Roman Reigns, and uh, he's obviously not. So, I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past him to just wait out another two years and you know two years from probably this date and be his last match and i don't know and he might want to go out of mania though so who knows yeah. what he wants to do so i don't know i think he, I, I i i can't i just he keeps me he, he surprises me all the time nowadays i don't exactly. know what he's gonna do yeah so whether it's a match or some sort of moment or something i'd say at this point yeah you're right there's a pretty good chance we'll see him celebrate that third decade one way or another whether that's i think it'd be a great way to end things maybe go off into the sunset right Mm -hmm. there 30 year anniversary but i do think it's more than likely to be at wrestlemania at some point or another but who knows man we'll cover it one way or another as we keep rolling 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 into the last ride and next week we are going to roll into armageddon 2000 with that legendary six-man hell in a cell match that there's only one of that actually yeah. happened, but it still makes it into the video game every single year. And That's one of, true. One of my favorite matches to do on the video game was six-man Hell in a Cell matches. But uh, if you're listening out there and you've been following along, you will notice that we're actually going to break our cardinal rule here one time and one time only. Uh, although mm-hmm. we kind of break it for some of the Royal Rumbles, uh, but uh, really... Uh, we are going to skip an Undertaker pay-per-view match at Rebellion 2000. That happens in between Survivor Series and Armageddon. And here's the reason why. Uh, 
that match, we, we've covered all the other UK pay-per-views, and they've been really fun to cover. Really uh, kind of some hidden gems, some fun little surprises in there, and giving us a nice little transition, breaking up some of these long build-ups. This one has a match between The Undertaker and Chris Benoit. And obviously we've talked about Chris Benoit. We talked about him last week on the Unforgiven yep. match, and I'm sure there'll be other opportunities to talk about him. But sure. I'll, I'll take the heat on this one, Travis. I said uh, to you that personally I wasn't really interested in covering a whole episode on Undertaker versus Chris Benoit one-on-one. It's the only time it happens and maybe if it was a real pay-per-view, nah, no offense to our UK listeners out there, but maybe if it was a, a, a more major pay-per-view, we'd figure out a way to cover it. But, you know, we like this show to be really fun. We like to be silly. We like to be goofy. And, you know, we'll get into all our reactions and feelings on the Chris Benoit stuff one day down the road when we hit uh, the time where he uh, where he, where he he died and, and committed uh, murders and all that sort of stuff. We'll go in depth on that one day, I'm sure, but it's still it's still not fun for me to watch Chris Benoit matches. I still I, I've ver- watched very very little of him. I don't enjoy watching him anymore. Uh, I'll watch a, a four way match or maybe a Royal Rumble he's in every now and then, but I don't go back and watch his single matches. So I'm not super interested in watching this one. Uh, we can talk about it. We can cover it from a historic point, but yeah, look, we don't want to do an episode like that and. Uh, you know, I'll take the heat on that. Oh no, it's you don't have to. Um, it's definitely. Um, I didn't want to break our rule, but I, 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 I do. Yeah, I do for this one because you're right. Having like an hour or tw- hour and twenty minutes of breaking down this match will be kind of tough because of our own personal feelings of of him and how. I mean, I've said on this show before. I used to have his j- tapes from Japan and his his involvement in Super J Cup and stuff. So. Um, I uh, was a really big fan, and so, like I said, we'll cover all that tragedy when we get there. But um, really, we'll, there's not a lot of buildup, honestly, in between Survivor Series and we got anyway. I don't think there's many weeks anyway, so we'd really have a really short a really short episode there and a short episode for Armageddon, I think. So we're going to do all, all in Armageddon, and we'll, we'll just mention, you know, the Rebellion match. But like I said, hope you guys can respect our decision. Uh, this wouldn't be – it wouldn't be a fun talk-and-taker episode like we'd like to have. So – we um we'll 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 kind of cover it briefly, but not going to go in full depth on it. So, apologies for breaking our one rule, but uh, is what it is. So. That's right. It'll be our one deal, ex- with, deal with it. <laughs> It'll be our one exception on our free <laughs> podcast that we're doing here, and uh, we hope we're, we'll continue to give you guys. Uh, we'll, we hope to continue to over deliver with our content here, and look, we'll, yeah. we'll do a bonus match here sometime yeah, in the next sure. few weeks uh, to make up for it, to make up for the loss of that match and that pay-per-view match. So, hope you guys understand. No offense, if you still love Chris Benoit and still enjoy watching his matches, more power to you. Uh, we just personally uh, still don't. And, uh, you know, that's okay. Either yeah, way. Again, we've talked about him. We've covered him. We, he did. He existed in life. He sure. existed in WWF. They yeah. erased him. I don't erase him. He doesn't not exist, you know, but... um. You know, just focusing on that one. Like I said, luckily it's only one one-on-one match they have and the history of their your runs together. So we won't have to do this at all. This is the one-time, one-time only. We're going to skip this. So anyway, it's what it is. But thank you, Creatures, for listening and uh, supporting us. And 
Hopefully you can support our decision for next week. So. Yes, thank you and so much. And by the way, happy Thanksgiving yesterday. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Uh, thanks again to everyone who shouted us out uh, for the pants, gave us all your theories yeah, on Undertaker's pants. Uh, thank you to uh, Richard Land again at Masked Wrestlers for filling us in on the Undertaker's absence during that period of time. Uh, like I said, uh, Randy Turco again shared with us some of his Dead Man Inc. apparel. He had the yeah, the uh, Decade of Destruction shirts. Was looking good in that looking stuff. Fresh, oh dude. my goodness! Uh, Scott Bismarck on Twitter. He shared with us that video of the Godfather making his return at the 2002 Royal Rumble with those very very similar pants. Uh, I don't know. We're, we're definitely open to more and more theories about what was going on with these amazing, ridiculous pants. Uh, Dolores Hooper says she's probably going to pick up a pair of these for some Undertaker 2000 cosplay. More power to you for that. And uh, again, shout out to the Bottom Line Wrestling cast. The latest episode for all you Taker fans, if you haven't listened to them yet, they do a little watch-along commentary for the Cold Day in Hell pay-per-view match that we covered here. Um, We enjoyed that one. I don't think they enjoyed it as much as we did, but uh, you guys can go... (laughs) Listen to that one if you like. They're doing their uh, similar version of what we're doing with Stone Cold Steve Austin going through his entire WWE career. So shout out to them as well. Yeah, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, was it Dolores that, um, it was her or um, Lou Jane that said that uh, uh, this was the uh, midlife crisis version of The Undertaker? <laughs> Wasn't that a couple weeks ago? It said, yeah, like yeah. he comes back from his hiatus. He's got a, you know, wearing jeans and got a motorcycle you know dipping everywhere like we never really thought about that but this is the midlife crisis version of the Undertaker. so i love they pointed that out i meant to point it out last week on the last episode but we forgot so um anyway i yeah, think your you. uh, sarah theory is pretty spot on about maybe, the pants yeah maybe she designed them <laughs> or picked them out i think she wears something like that later on like during the stalker angle and stuff with ddp well, so i don't want to see we'll get there oh god um, we will oh, lord have mercy <laughs> Uh, yep we will so anyway ladies and gentlemen we thank you for uh, sticking around with us and thanks for uh, all the support we got and um, yeah we'll see you guys uh, next week happy Thanksgiving and most importantly take her easy so therefore I have prepared a list of 127 ways in which you my Bostonian friends can improve your life thank you what it's only a two hour show 127 things, ways that we can improve our lives. Number one, chowder and beans are fine as long as a napkin is present. I cannot stress this enough. Well, this is for Bostonians. Number two, I realize that you people are bitter since your baseball team hasn't won a game and... Woodrow Wilson was president. But that's no reason to take it out on the rest of us. Personal Benvino still haunting the Red Sox. Number three. I've noticed that you have problems pronouncing. What the hell? What the hell? <laughs>